Join us now to talk all things Maple Leafs. It is Mark Masters. Mark, thank you so much for joining the show. Hello from Seattle. Oh, yes, 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 indeed, indeed. Uh, and it's, you know what? I feel bad for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Marner, okay, let's start there. Before we get to the trades, just real quick, what did you see last night from Matthews and the two goals and just more ridiculous, filthy passes from Marner? Yeah, uh, it looked like a lot like last year, right, for Matthews and Marner, which we haven't seen a lot of this year. It's crazy how little Matthews and Marner have played together. They started the season together. The team didn't get off to a great start. Uh, they did not have the same connection. November 12th, uh, Sheldon Keefe finally uh, breaks them up, and they had been split until January 25th. They got back together for a game against the Rangers, but, oh, no, Matthews sustained a knee sprain even before the game started and then was out. And then when he came back, initially he was back with Nylander. So finally reunited, and that that looks a lot like what we saw last year with the connection and Marner passing and Matthews batting the puck out of the air, just looking like he's got the puck on a string, which we just haven't seen a lot of. Crazy to think that was just Matthews' third multi-goal game when he had 15 last season. So nice, nice sign for the Leafs that Matthews and Marner looked like that um, and that the team as a whole within that uh, played very well. So um, that's a really positive sign down the stretch here because it's, it's honestly been one of the big – mysteries of the season that Matthews it just in general hasn't scored at the same rate but that he hasn't been with with Marner yeah well it, it, the funny thing is is I always push back if anyone out there goes oh look at the media freaking out about Matthews that is a false straw man accusation no one has it's just we've all been confused because how dominant he's been as a goal scorer and it hasn't been there this year and the thing is it's a bunch of things. You know, his shooting percentage dipped by about almost 5%. He's shooting far less this year. He is scoring at a per 60 mark, the, the lowest figure of his, of his entire season. And then we wonder, how much of it is injuries? How much of it is luck? And how much of it is not having Mitch Marner next to him? It's, it has been one of the big mysteries of this season, hasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, playing with Nylander, Nylander's having such an amazing goal-scoring year. Yeah. So perhaps, you know, passing a bit more, being a bit more of a playmaker as Matthews, but he just hasn't felt as dominant. And maybe our aggression was, was expected, just 60 goals, so hard to do. I mean, oh, God. it's not like it's not like Ovechkin was putting up multiple 60-goal years. He's got his one, Stamkos has his one. It's so hard to do. So I know there was, you know, John Cooper late last year was saying, oh, 70 is possible. It just felt that way with the way Matthews was scoring every game, but it was always more likely that he would have a bit more of a, uh, a more realistic number, come back to earth a little bit. But I think everyone was kind of looking like, oh, well, 50, more so than 40, which is what it's been on pace for here for a good chunk of this year. So that's why it's been a bit, uh, a bit uh, surprising for people that it would be such a drop-off. Uh, and he has been in his own end. Like, you know, I know he's leading all NHL forwards and block shots, but Sheldon Keith pointed out, like, that's probably a sign that he's in his own end too much this year. Um, you don't want Austin Matthews blocking shots pure, uh, that no. much, certainly. You know, he's been in his own end. He hasn't been on offense as much as they would have liked, and as a result doesn't have his, his shot totals are going down. So, um, yeah, you, you know, you don't want to doubt Austin Matthews because of what we've seen from him, but it hasn't been the same year, and um, we'll see if just last uh, section of the season that one of the big storylines on top of all the trades and the new faces coming in is going to be can Matthews look more like the Hart Trophy winner because if he's clicking on top of Nylander reaching a new level, on top of Tavares getting a bit of a step back that he did not have last year, on top of Marner, I don't even – it's hard to say is he even better, but he's certainly at the peak of his powers right now. So if you get Matthews going again on top of everything else going – 
at least they're feeling pretty good. And the addition of Ryan O'Reilly, what that does on the forward mm-hmm. line as well. And yes, both these things can be true. Um, we're all a little confused on what's wrong with Matthews, but we all have faith in him, at least in the regular mm-hmm. season. And uh, well, we'll get to Game 7 issues somewhere down the road. Mark Masters, our Leafs reporter, is joining us. Your thoughts, um, How Leafs getting Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from Chicago. They're giving up a conditional first-rounder in 25, a, a second-rounder in 26. How much of this um, was always in the works, I wonder, versus how much of it was, wait a minute, Tampa is getting rid of all their draft picks? Like, this is just, (laughs) this is an arms race going on in the East. It's the uh, draft schmaft uh, Eastern Conference. Yes. uh, Right now, and and as it should be, I mean, there's, you know, those top six teams in the East all are got to feel like they got a real shot here. Uh, But they also know it's going to be so hard. Uh, because of the level of competition, if you're not winning the division, uh, and only Boston, and it looks like you know Carolina's in a good spot to win their division, they'll get a you know a relatively easier opponent. But it's going to be such a battle for a team like the Leafs to have to go through the Lightning and then the Bruins and then whoever comes out of the Metropolitan um, just to get to a Stanley Cup final. Um, it's going to take a lot. So yeah, you got a chance. There's only so many years where you feel like you're a legitimate, you know, Stanley Cup contender. You, you know, the draft picks aren't going to help you this year, uh, next year, probably in two years when you're drafting low in the first round. You know, I saw that was you know Julian Breezeball was being asked down in Tampa about giving up all these draft picks for Tanner Janelle. Well, he's got to win now, and these draft picks aren't going to help him win in these next few years. So when you think about it that way, yeah. And the stakes for the Leafs are just so high this season um, because of so many things. You know, one, obviously, they haven't won a series in this era, and it's so important to show progress and build confidence. Two, Austin Matthews can sign an extension in the offseason, and you certainly want him to be feeling like this is a team that's poised to contend for years to come and feeling good and feeling happy about where things are going. Kyle Dubas is in his final year of his contract. That <laughs> it's his vision that has been playing out here. So, you know, his job feels like it's on the line just with everything. So, yeah, the stakes are incredibly high here. Everyone, all these top guys are having amazing years, minus Matthews, who's still having a very good year. And if you're not all in now, when are you, when, when are you all in for the Leafs? So you can understand why all these teams are parting with, with draft picks. New Jersey's on the come up. The Rangers, I mean, it's just all these teams. You can look at it and say, we got a shot, so let's do it. Yeah, everyone's embracing the L.A. Rams. F them picks from a couple of years ago. You, you know what the sad thing of all of this is, Mark? The sad thing is, is that if someone said they would bet on the Seattle Kraken, to go on a deeper playoff run than the Maple Leafs, you could actually understand why when you look at just how much more dominant the East is than the West. It's hard to feel that way after I watched Seattle last night uh, in person. I know, uh, but but you know what clinging. I'm saying. They're clinging right now, eh? Calgary, four points back. That might be the, If Calgary's going to get in, Seattle might be the team they, they knock off. But, yes, the, the West is, 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 like, wide open, like – Colorado, obviously, if they're healthy, is the class. Um, but they haven't been for much of this year, and um, we'll see what happens down the stretch with them. But, yeah, it looks like, yeah, Seattle right now, who do they line up to play? Vegas. Seattle, Vegas in the first round just by in points. So, yeah, I mean, toss-up, I'd still like Vegas in that. But, yeah, it's the West is so wide open. I, it's hard to imagine. I know there's been years where the West was better and Death Valley in California, but it, I can't recall a year where it's been such a – such a clear delineation between the top six teams are in the East, yeah. and then the next eight are all the West <laughs> all together. 
and then then there's the the Eastern Wildcard teams kind of bunched together. It's 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 a really weird season, uh, and that's why I thought maybe we'd see more more of the big names going out west, just because one move would have a, big, a chance to have such a None. a bigger splash, right? Like could really tilt the balance of power. Whereas in the East, it just feels like everyone is everyone is gearing up except for Carolina. So has anybody really moved that far ahead? Niederreier wouldn't even be, or Nemo, I, I always mispronounce his name, to the Jets, wouldn't even be a top four uh, deal that's been done in the East in the last, like, 96, or the last week and a half. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll get from bigger picture to a little bit smaller picture with the actual Maple Leafs. So you bring in Jake McCabe. Um, just, and, and again, this isn't, hey, Mark, predict what you think's going to happen. And we know that there is plenty of time, or well, not plenty, but there's still time for Sheldon Keefe to tinker. We've already seen him tinker on the top two forward lines. Um, you know, any thoughts on what you think uh, the defense could look like for the Leafs next game? Yeah, I was just playing around with it. Uh, I'm sure Sheldon Keefe's probably in his, uh, somewhere in Seattle doing something similar here. <laughs> they like Riley Brody. But so I imagine maybe you know keep them together. Then you, they like Giordano Lilligran, and now all of a sudden you got maybe McCabe Hall as your third pair, or you know you you split it up a little bit, right? With the maybe zone starts, and they don't have necessarily a, the same shutdown pair that they would have had last year with Muzzin and Brody, where they feel really good about those guys defensively. But you know I think maybe that's where you put McCabe in with Hall. He brings that. When you think about it, if McCabe's knocking Sandine out of your top six. Sandine, the, the, the concern or the question about him is physically in his own end, on the, being forechecked, clearing the net front, you know, does, can he be able to do that? We know, you know, some of his skills up ice and offensively, but, you know, can he handle that if, you know, Tampa's forecheck and that big fourth line gets rolling around in there? So McCabe obviously is a, is a bigger guy, more physical, can handle that, and maybe you pair him with, with, uh, with Hall, you could put him with Lilligren and reunite Giordano and Hall, who have had a good run this year. So that's, I feel like Riley and Brody stay together. You know that works. That's, that's a good pair. But it just gives you a little bit more edge. That Not quite obviously Jake Muzzin, because who is, but gives you that Muzzin-esque element more so physically in the bottom of your, your defense. And if this also could mean, you know, maybe fewer minutes for a Mark Giordano, it's nothing against him, but he's the, mm-hmm. he's the oldest person in hockey, and that's not a hyperbole. He's he's the oldest person in hockey, and he's played a ton of games and a ton of minutes, and the puck often finds itself, you know, whacking off of his thigh. I feel, you know, you might be able to get an even better version of him in fewer minutes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, Giordano... We were just talking about the last few days, him setting the shot block record. I mean, this guy's got a lot of miles on him. He's blocked a lot of pucks. He's eaten a lot of rubber, and it'd be nice to, to take a little bit off his plate. I mean, Giordano and Lilligren actually started the playoffs last year as your third pair. So that the, they've been playing, you know, last night, you know, kind of the second pair. So now you bump, you know, just with these trades they've made, everyone just slides into a better spot, right? Like yeah. the, the whole lineup looks deeper. Everyone's better slotted. Everyone has a little less on their play, and uh, it just feels a lot better for everyone, right? So that's what this trade has really done, this, this last one for the Leafs, is slot everyone a little better, it feels like. I, I, I'm, I'm just wildly curious, because for Sheldon Keefe, it's one thing if you want to change the lines up if you're playing Buffalo, Columbus, or Seattle. The Leafs play Edmonton. And, you know, I don't need to go over the names and the numbers, but you're going up against, you know, the best offensive players in the league. I'm wildly curious to see um, just who's out there, how much ice time, who's with who, and just what the result looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing is you give Sheldon Keefe even more options. You know, playoff series will be about adjustments. 
and now he's got more. You know, it feels like in the past with Sheldon Keith, he he's felt like his only option really when things have gone sideways or is is really to lean even more on his on his top guys, and is understandable considering the way the roster has been built. But now he's got the chance if he wants to spread things out a little bit more, create mismatches in different ways. Um, yeah. And I'm just playing around like with the forward lines. And if you could now, if you want, uh, you know, you could keep O'Reilly in the top six and keep Tavares on the wing. Uh, and if, if that's the scenario, maybe your third line is Ingball, Camp, and Lafferty. And then the fourth line all of a sudden is Yarn Crow, Kachari, and Kerfoot. And Aston Reese gets bumped out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, like you're feeling a lot deeper. You're feeling a lot better about that bottom six. And it really felt like that was a huge disadvantage for the Leafs last year in the series against Tampa is that the Lightning could get get productive, even scoring from their from their bottom six, whereas the Leafs really kind of just wanted to survive those minutes. And if you want to move O'Reilly down, all of a sudden, you know, you have even more options there. So um, it certainly bodes well for, for, for the first round. And, and obviously you're going to need depth because you're going to have injuries. And to Boston, if they get uh, do business quickly in the first round, they'll be rested and waiting maybe in the second round. So you're going to need as many uh, as much depth as you can. So it feels like uh, as much as they've given up a lot in terms of draft capital, it's felt like these moves are necessary really to maximize the opportunity the Leafs have in front of them this season. Mark, thank you so much. There's so much going on. We didn't spend one-third of it where I usually ask you a bunch of jackass questions that's so self-indulgent that usually just makes me giggle and, and you, at the very least, politely fake laugh. That's how busy we are right now. It's been all sports, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time last minute. Always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. That is Mark Masters, our Toronto Maple Leafs reporter.